0: What is up, Line Nation? This is Ray DeLucci with the Line Cook Thoughts podcast. Hope you are doing well and staying safe. Welcome back to another week of the show. Before we get into this, just a friendly reminder that every Monday I put out the Prepless Items newsletter. This is a newsletter with food information for anyone in the food industry. You can go to linecookthoughts.com, hit your email into the box, and hit subscribe, and that will give you a weekly piece of content that I send out. It has over 70% open rate right now. It is widely well received by the people that get it in their email inbox. So go to linecookthoughts.com to subscribe. Also, if you're listening on, pod, on the podcast platforms, please use Apple and Spotify to leave a review. And if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe to the channel and leave a comment below. My guests today are Mason Aronson and Adam Shoemaker. A little bit about both. Adam was born and raised in Valparaiso, Indiana, and he attended the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. Uh, and he received his associates of culinary arts and his bachelor's in business administration with a concentration in Italian cuisine. Post-graduation, he has worked at restaurants and bars in Chicago, Valparaiso, and now the metro Atlanta area. When he is not enjoying a glass of wine, he loves a Miller High Life, glass bottles only, and vintage rum. Mason was born in California and raised in Sedona, Arizona, where he also attended the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. At the CIA, he received his associates in culinary arts and bachelor's in business administration with a concentration in wine and beverage. Post-grad, he has worked in distribution in Colorado, restaurants in New York City, and is now in Charlotte, North Carolina. When he's not enjoying a glass of wine, he loves a boulevardier, which we talk about, and it says always on a big rock, and extra añejo tequilas. I met Adam and Mason, both of them in college. They're both excellent people that I've really enjoyed, you know, getting to know in college and keeping in touch with. Uh, hanging out with Adam, a t- you know, a good amount in college. Playing Overwatch with Mason in college. So going back to the Culinary Institute of America days, and actually Adam Shoemaker and Olivia Fize uh, were the were the some of the first guests on the podcast, episode five. If you go way way back. To a few years now, it's one of the most uh, listened to podcast episodes, so go check that out. I'll be leaving links in the description below for both Adam and Mason's podcast, The Assemblage uh, Beverage Podcast. And it's very interesting for me because it's a beverage focused podcast. And so, if you ever want to learn more about wine, beer, spirits, anything in between, they talk a lot about the business of it, different tasting notes, celebrity brand deals, all these different things. It's a great podcast. Check it out. I'm leaving a link in the description below. In this episode, we talk about rebranding the podcast to become a dual-hosted content piece, the impact of celebrity uh, branded wines, beers, spirits, ETC, and the impact that AI could and might have on the beverage industry. So, very wide-ranging conversation. Really enjoyed catching up with these two. Mason and Adam, thank you all so much for coming on the show and for all the work you do, and here we go. How's it going, guys? Welcome to the show. Excited to have you all back. Adam, welcome back to the show, I guess. Mason, this is your first time on the show. So, kind of speaking the wrong way there, but um, welcome to the show. If you guys want to start by introducing yourself first, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, go ahead, Mason.
2: Hey, Mason here um, with Assemblage Wine Podcast. We are excited to do this co-host show bro low whatever you want to call it you know right on
1: yeah and uh, i'm adam uh with the assemblage beverage podcast it used to be the wine podcast but now it's beverage podcast <laughs> but uh it's uh yeah it's good to be back uh, me and uh, my fiance olivia were on uh, line cook thoughts podcasts through close to f- probably four years ago now mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah right before we opened uh the restaurant. So, it's great to be back on, and uh, it's good to good to chat with you, Ray.
0: Yeah, same to you. Episode five, the old, the first available podcast on all platforms for Line Cook Thoughts, one of the most listened to ever. Go check it out, Adam and Olivia. Shout out to both of them, Olivia especially because she's not here right now. And um, yeah, super cool. And for those listening to your show, I am Ray DeLucci. I am the uh, creator of Line Cook Thoughts podcast. I have an Instagram, do some blogging, and uh, yeah, so. Cool. So going into this podcast, I know I'm kind of emceeing here. So we'll start out with you two and the dual host podcast idea, something I really enjoyed. It's the reason why I wanted to interview with you guys. What was the reasoning behind going dual host with you two?
1: Yeah, so for me, um, I started Assemblage back in 2020. Started doing podcasts, I guess, towards the end of 2020. And uh, did it kind of solo for until about, what Mason, October of last year is when we kind of joined forces. Yep. And, uh, Mason and I were roommates in college for a long time, best friends. And, uh, you know, he was on episode 23 of the assemblage beverage or back then it was assemblage wine podcast. Now it's beverage podcast, but, um, you know, we, I just, I had a hard time kind of focusing in and, and keeping myself accountable. So, you know, it's, there would be times where I'd be like, ah, I don't feel like doing a podcast. I never really had a schedule for myself. And now kind of having, um, you know, Mason part of the team. It's great because um, not only we hold each other accountable, like, hey, we've got to record a podcast this week. Um, but it's also great because we don't necessarily have to rely on um, getting a special guest every podcast. Uh because that can also be difficult to try and like coordinate schedules and things like that. As as we've seen just trying to do this podcast tonight, um, you know, it can be challenging. So uh, and kind of when I wouldn't have a special guest, I would be doing like a solo podcast. And it's mm. it's tough. Um, I know you've done a couple of them, Ray, and, and it's it's really you really have to do a lot of homework before because you kind of have to map out this conversation that you're just having with yourself it's just you and the microphone. And, uh, you know, it's it's really tough. And I, I was just tired of having to do that. So, um, and I, I, you know, Mason's, like I said, my best friend uh, for life. And, and, you know, so it's great to have him on this. And he's got a lot of beverage knowledge, uh, and we kind of complement each other. So, um, you know, I've been really wine focused in my career. Um, Mason is too, but he's kind of dove more into spirits and things like that. And then we kind of just, uh, you know, compliment each other on everything else. So, uh, rebrand's been great. Um, new logo, got the, got the sweet Hawaiian shirts. Um, my cousin, uh, designed the new logo and, uh, got a new website and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of just went like full force, developed an LLC, everything like that. So, it went from like a fun hobby to like, okay, now we're a legitimate business who pays taxes. So um, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun.
0: It's good. Yeah. I mean, you talk about solo podcasts, staring into the void and talking to yourself for 40 minutes. What more could you want? You know? <laughs> good self-reflection. Wonder, like, if, if people <laughs> ever look into my apartment and like I do solo podcasts, I'm like, if they only knew, it, I was just staring at myself in a computer screen, trying to, <laughs> to talk about a topic to myself. It's kind of crazy. It's a little scary. I feel like that's a red flag for some people. Mason, <laughs> going to you with the podcasting. What has that experience been like for you? Are you enjoying it? Are you? Uh, how are you kind of acclimating yourself to it?
2: Yeah. Uh, first off, you know, congrats to y'all for being able to do those solo podcasts. Because talking to a wall. You know, I know we all can do it, but it's all fun, you know. Um, but joining on the podcast has been uh, absolutely amazing. Um, I just, you know, love being on here, and I love the camaraderie that uh, Adam, I, Adam, and I share, and are able to kind of continue to push ourselves and 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 bring ourselves to new levels. Um, like he said, you know, it's really nice because you're keeping each other accountable, and um, you know, you're like I. I don't feel that great this week, but I know I need to film. And then one of us sends each other a text and we, you know, go back and forth and we get to chat. Um, and so it really helps encourage and boost my like confidence and be like, you know, we just got to get this done. We got to do it. We want to push it. We want to build something special, you know? Um, so when Adam, you know, asked me to be on the podcast, being friends, uh, the best we were, I uh, was just like an absolute blessing. Like, I was like super excited.
1: Yeah. And I think one awesome. one last thing, you know, because I, I feel like you spend a lot of time with someone like in college and then life gets busy, life gets crazy. And like there would be months where Mason and I wouldn't even text each other because we just were busy. So now it's nice because we have this thing that we're doing together. It's like, okay, at the very longest, we'll not talk for like two weeks now. Uh, and then yeah. it'll be like, "Hey, what are we going to talk about this week? We got to record." Um, and and that's been really awesome because it it kind of just, you know, you say before you graduate or when you leave a job, like, "Oh yeah, we'll keep in touch for sure." It it never happens, um, so it's it's <laughs> nice to kind of to, you know to kind of be able to do this every two weeks together. So,
0: yeah, oh, it's good to know. I mean, yeah, I I feel the same way. I think podcasting is really cool. <laughs> I my pups. You're all right. I've got a boxer lab, so I get it. Um, I've met a ton of cool people in the space, and sometimes just having them back on the show is our time to reconnect and chat with each other. So um, I think it's really relevant that you know you bring that up because I've definitely felt that. So going into the next topic, the celebrity beverage brands. I listened to your podcast on this, found it very interesting, and I think that. You know, with the, if you look into like anything else in the food industry space, anything with celebrity t- attached to it has almost has like a negative connotation. And I was really thinking about this since our last conversation. Like, think of like, you know, anything, anything in restaurant wise or anything with foods, if there's any celebrity attached to it, it's often seen as like, oh, well, that's lesser rate because it's more corporate. And it's got to like be funneled through different channels. But I've seen so many people actually find more access to different types of alcohol because of celebrity branding. So I'd love to hear any negatives, any positives. Your thoughts on the celebrity branded beverage industry right now?
2: Yeah. Um, so I think you know specifically celebrity brands. There's the the wide variety, right? There's the people that buy it and truly care, and they really invest into this company, or the people who just buy it because they want to be attached to it. And you know, I think that balance um is really hard to pick out who truly cares i think nowadays even more so um celebrities most of the time care and put a lot of effort in it because they have their name really stapled to it but i think you know back in the day even a little bit um you know people did they they would buy companies and then you know they just attach their name to it and just sell 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 to try to make money um but it's a it's a very interesting question because um, like w- when Adam and I did our our podcast, our specific palate even didn't match maybe what they were wanting. Um, mm. Specifically, 818 was the tequila that both Adam and I really didn't like because I don't want to be drinking marshmallow tequila. And that's what it tasted like. Um, but. Um, we both did like our, uh, the other two, which was the rock Terramana and, um, George, George Clooney's, um, Casamigos and, you know, Casamigos, when I found it was awesome and really delicious. And so mm-hmm. it's just kind of stuck with me for a while. Um, and I think that right there kind of opens it, the door up to the community as well, you know, because, um, George Clooney, the Silver Fox, you know, that kind of guy. Uh, you know, that, that's the nickname in Hollywood, yo. Just so you know, the Silver Fox. Hey, it's great. Uh, you know, that beautiful name, uh, attached to that tequila makes more people want to go, Oh, I'm going to have this tequila or I'm going to try tequila for their first time or their hundredth and fiftieth time, whatever it is. You know, yeah, I think you could just go on and on though.
0: What what about the flavor profile in Casamigos did you like?
2: Oh, I think it's really just like the age with it. Like I I normally drink Casamigos and Añejo um rather than Blanco or Reposado. Just personally, we did do the Reposado for the video because we did only Reposados for our last uh podcast, but um Añejo is just like it's got that that punch almost. That's like a little touch of vanilla after it's been aged in it's oak, but you know, still that crisp, fresh agave. Cool.
1: Yeah, and see I was Adam, kind of I was on like the uh the the budget side of the celebrity brands because I actually really enjoyed Terramana, which was the least expensive of the three. And um <clears throat> for me tequila Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And and uh you know, I, I liked it because it was maybe a little bit less oak aged or a little bit less like had that kind of oaky vanilla characteristic because even for me like casamigos uh reposado was still like a touch marshmallowy or like a touch like spun sugar or there was something with it that i just like i personally didn't care for um okay. Ma- mason and i kind of battled that out for a minute because i know uh you know casamigos this is jam but yeah. you know and and for me it was I understand why people like what they like, but for me, it was like Terramano was the best because it was a, a bang for your buck. It was the least expensive. And for me, it was the most approachable to not only drink by itself, but to also mix in cocktails. Uh, Cause like I've tried to make, you know, we've got these three bottles of tequila now and like, I'm trying to get rid of this 818 <laughs> and I'm trying to mix it into like cocktails. And it's just like, okay, this is a marshmallow margarita you know, it's just like really, really strong. But, um, you know, to get back to like the celebrity brands, I think overall, it's it's positive. Um, I think, especially now with all of the media and all of the, you know, information that's out there on the on the, you know, Internet, you can't really hide behind anything nowadays, because there's always like those internet super sleuths that are going to like call you out for not being sustainable or not really, you know, like exploiting labor or whatever it may be. So you really can't hide behind it. Um, People try, but it's hard now. Um, And I think that it's, it's good because it gets more people into the beverage world. You know, people look up to Kylie Jenner, they look up to The Rock or whoever it may be, Um, P Diddy with Ciroc, you know, it's, if it gets people to try something, um, and they kind of can get into it and drink responsibly, I think that it's, it's positive because it kind of builds more space in this, you know, the beverage world and there's something for everyone. Um, you know, I think, so overall, I think it's positive. Um, I think kind of the, the cons of people just getting into it for the wrong reason. Yeah. I'm sure there's still people out there that do that, but again you can't hide in 2023 with, if you're not doing it for the right reasons. So.
0: Yeah, no Um, going is the marshmallow thing. Is that something that's often seen in poor quality tequila? Or is that just a tasting that you guys have more so seen like recently?
1: I feel like it's probably the type of Oak they're using. That's really the only thing that I could think of. Um, Maybe they're using like Oak chips instead of Oak barrels. I really don't know. Um, I've, really like i've tasted it in certain things like casamigos for me it was still there but it was not as like coyingly sweet uh so i feel like it's just um the the oak and that vanilla characteristic that that comes out of oak
0: okay no that makes sense yeah it's interesting for me i i definitely i don't really drink as alcohol as much as Probably you guys, I'm not saying that I'm probably not, really <laughs> probably <laughs> I, not. It's, it's, you I know <laughs> i I probably have like one drink i don't even I don't even think I'd probably average one drink a week if I'm being honest, um but when yeah. I do drink for me, it's just very simple <laughs> like I know <laughs> uh like for me <laughs> for me, it's like whiskey, like I think it's really interesting that tequila's been taken over uh with so much celebrity. Branding, I guess, because it's a popular alcohol, um, but, man, dude, I, I hate I hate tequila so much. Like, surely. I mean, I hate it, but I've actually... So, I was living in D.C. before I moved to Chicago, and my landlord, who I was living with, because it, was, it wasn't like an apartment complex I was living with him, to celebrate me signing the lease, he brought out this bottle of this, like, 100-year-aged tequila, and it was, like, insane. It was the best alcohol I've ever had, and it tasted nothing like tequila, I was like, there's levels to this shit, obviously. But yeah. um, all yeah. that to say is I just find it interesting that like celebrity branding has taken off so much and uh, especially with the tequila market, I think it's definitely cool. Definitely interesting. I'm sure there's a lot of short or smaller producers that, that are getting screwed over by all of this as well. So I think it's like a balance of good and bad. But um, yeah. it's, it, I think it opens up a little bit more knowledge into the database of what people perceive as alcohol besides like. Mixers at Walmart and Target. So. Yeah.
1: And I, yeah. I think tequila, tequila's market share right now is insane. Um, really? <clears throat> I bartended a party on Saturday, last Saturday. And uh, I mean, the amount of tequila that these people drank compared to everything else, like they probably drank three times the amount of tequila as they did vodka, bourbon, and gin combined.
0: That's crazy. And
1: it was a, it was a wide range of people. It was people my age all the way up to like, you know, price 70, 75. Um, and everyone was drinking tequila sodas with lime. It's just like, I could have, you know, there's some wine drinkers and things like that, but, um, you know, it was crazy. The amount of tequila we, we ran out of tequila. So that's probably the only reason why more <laughs> people start drinking vodka and stuff because we just didn't have any more tequila. So Um, it's just got such a presence in the market. And I think people see like a health benefit to it. Um
2: it being an upper and rather than a downer as well. Yeah.
1: And it's it's you know, low carbs. Um, you know, you just mix it with soda and a lime, and it's relatively healthy. Um, again, in (laughs) moderation. But uh, you know, these people were not drinking it for the health benefits, I can tell you that much, but you know, it is what it is.
0: I know why you would ever pick a tequila and soda over gin and tonic is beyond me i want to do it real quick like super quick because i feel like if i was an audience member listening i'd want to know my favorite cocktail is gin and tonic um what real quick, like you two favorite cocktails well and i know you that's know, a hard question but
2: not at all actually you know <laughs> i discuss this on my you know, on the podcast all the time uh Boulevardier, which was my wedding cocktail that is the drink of choice
0: Nice. What is in a Boulevardier, real quick?
2: It is a Negroni, but with bourbon. Nice. That
0: sounds yeah. good. Adam and Adam for you.
1: Yeah, I I go back and forth. Like I love a classic daiquiri, just rum, lime juice, simple syrup. Like I'm not talking about like a a strawberry daiquiri or some frozen bullshit drink, but like a really <laughs> well made like shaken daiquiri is delicious, especially in the summer. I also love uh, Negronis too, um, you know, just equal parts gin, vermouth, and Campari. Um, it's it's you know a really like bitter but balanced drink. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my my go-to.
0: The Applebee's is an amazing frozen daiquiri, to so you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's your Ray? What's
1: it. Ray? What's your go-to gin?
0: So I like Koval. That's out of Chicago. Uh, especially the c- cranberry cobalt gin, mm. that right. comes out near the holidays. I think that's amazing, but for like less niche stuff, Hendrix is my favorite. So,
2: I love Hendrix, that's a great one.
0: I think yeah. it's a little funkier than the uh, other ones out there. So, or it just has more character. Uh, maybe funky is not a good word, but it has more of a different spice profile. So, nah. I like it.
2: If you ever get the chance or you see the bottle in the store, Botanist. One of my favorite gins as well it is okay. really, really good. Uh Just super clean, super juniper and just.
0: I'll have to find it. And then not to get too off topic, but I do have to say on a beverage mm-hmm. podcast that my favorite beer is the 12 for $9 Molson Canadian branded beer beverage. That is my favorite Molson shout out for you mm-hmm. too. It's the champagne of beers I'm guessing, but maybe that's switched over the last few years, but nope that was not, not for him ha- not for mason no for A- I- adam i know for sure mason what is yours
2: uh i uh, mine right my favorite beer is the Modelo right now um no, that's just, good.
0: you so know mexican choice.
2: lager style classic easy to, delicious drinking crisp whatever you want to call it anyways yeah Beautiful. it's good stuff
0: Making me thirsty and my water is empty. Yeah. Um, well, so, that's why you uh, got to have
2: a drink, you know?
0: Yeah. I know. I rushed into this one. I didn't mm-hmm. even have time to pour it. Um,
1: Ray's over here like, I have maybe one drink a week. And I'm like. <laughs> you already
0: sipping, you know? We're, it's great. You, you know, we're, we're,
1: <laughs> we're not even going to talk about how many drinks a week I have. We'll just leave that. We'll leave that outside the, podic- the podcast.
0: I'll just say that I drink. Probably seven times more Lacroix limes than I do an alcoholic beverage. So Lacroix lime. Oh yeah, Mm. great, great, simple, pal cleanser. But anyway, I'm not a
1: Lacroix guy.
0: guy. That's where you're wrong. Uh, (laughs) Going to AI, hard pivot. AI (laughs) food and beverage. Um, I think that this has been a fascinating topic. I did a lot of AI podcasting in the beginning of the year, kind of taking a break because I don't want my whole show to be the Long cook thoughts, AI podcast, but definitely mm-hmm. want to touch back on it in a few AI in the beverage industry thoughts on it. I mean, you know, I think for cooks, it's a lot of it's like replacing the chef. And I think where you'll see it more so is like the very simple tasks that have to be manu- like mass produced. But I still think that there's something to be said for obviously people they're tasting or whatnot. And you break that into cocktails. Cocktails are, I would say, even more delicate with how much you pour, the uh, the bartender making it, the story behind it. The you might it turns out different every time if you're a human being making a cocktail or slight variations. But in the same time, you see like the celebrity stuff, and you see like this mass like push for like just you know as everything in culture is going, it's just like everything's mass produced. What are your thoughts on AI automation entering the beverage space? specifically what you guys do.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? You know, like consistency is something that everyone strives for. And especially when you're trying to push for, for these tight margins and things like that, if you could figure out a way to, you know, do the perfect drink every time and never have anything sent back and you know, everything is poured the perfect amount and everything's regulated. Like in theory, that's great. Right. But For me, as soon as you lose like that human aspect of this industry, um, especially in like front of house, behind the bar, things like that, like a lot of people go to a restaurant or go to a bar for that conversation. Um, I mean, we talked about in our um, work-life balance podcast, we, we talked about bar therapy and how, you know, like sitting down at the bar after a long shift and like just, ordering a beer, a shot or a gin and tonic, whatever your drink of choice is, and just kind of sitting there and like taking a sip and taking a deep breath and maybe conversing with whoever the bartender is about their day or, you know, um, to me, nothing will ever replace that. So I think that that's kind of something that I I feel good in, meaning that people will kind of keep their jobs and, and the industry will kind of stay you know, safe in that way and and stay away from AI. Um, But, you know, I I think that eventually things are, you know, it's just going to get to the point where it's easier to build a robot to bartender than it is to keep an employee and pay for insurance and all that kind of stuff, which sucks. And I hope that it never happens. But I think that, you know, with the world we live in, But who knows maybe not i'm sure people 50 years ago thought in 2023 we'd have you know flying cars and and all that kind of stuff so maybe maybe not who knows
0: and i'll I'll kick this over to you mason uh, because i know obviously job prevalence is a big thing but i think what's been very fascinating about like stuff like chat gpt is the creative aspect amalgamation of data being able to pull things in from different resources and whatnot what are your thoughts on like the creativity side of things? Because you know, obviously AI isn't creative. It's data um, centers that are pulling things together. And I think that you know you could have stuff like that, but there's obviously going to always be something that needs to be created to make things exciting. Where do you fall in that line of, you know, relying on AI for creativity in beverage space versus like the hard won skills of a bartender making their drinks and cocktails and experimenting with something new?
2: Yeah. Um... You know, I think um, the real question is, like, what AI are we going to be interacting with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I think to Adam's point into our talk about bar therapy, you know, it's just like that interaction, that human-to-human interaction is so important. And I think really sets the tone, but having a great drink doesn't make you don't doesn't mean you don't have an amazing place, right? Or a shittier kind of drink doesn't mean you don't have an amazing place. So that perfect balance of both is super important um, where I think when AI kind of comes into a, the fact that they, or it will eventually have a creative idea flow, but then eventually the all the information stops because nobody's producing anything new and exciting. Right, yeah. um, I guess the hope is you know a i would eventually become smarter and and be able to mix cocktails and create its own new drinks that are absolutely amazing and extraordinary and whatever, and definitely possible, but I think when that kind of happens, then you will lose that this kind of interaction that we're having even now, where you're like connecting with somebody completely um and whatnot but you know, who knows? Maybe AI will surpass all of that and take over the world. Who knows? You know.
0: My, yeah, my and, biggest fear for the food industry is that human connection and like relative um, dining experiences and food and beverage experiences are at, are charged to a premium. I think for me, after I know we were, re, were re-recording this due to technical issues, so I thought a little bit more on this. That I think would be like the worst part. I think if we just had this automated, like pretty much just like feeding trial, food and drink and that's basically it and then your premium is really the essentials of food and beverage hospitality and service and um i think as i think more about it that's like what i struggle with or that's what i fear because it's just like that shouldn't be a premium i mean that should be a par for the course but it seems more and more we're getting away from that so adam I, I didn't mean to cut you off I to oh no that not, but.
1: no it's all good yeah and and for me you know i, I look at like not to talk about COVID because I feel like it's just everything everyone's talked about, but I look at how it's kind of changed how people interact with each other. And for, I think things are starting to get back to normal as far as like people know how to fucking have a conversation now where for like a long time, it was like, Oh no, I don't know how to talk to someone because I've only ever talked to people on the internet for the last two years. So like, that's kind of how I see like the food service industry being if we move into like this AI <laughs> sphere, because you're just going to be talking with these like artificial intelligent robots. And it's going to be very generic for a long time until, you know, they can start building up their own, you know, I hate to say personality, but their own kind of the way they're programmed. Um, so I, I really don't want that because I feel like we just spent the last what three years dealing with figuring out how to talk to one another again. And I think we're just now kind of getting back to that. So I really want to keep building on that and, and keep pushing to, you know, keep people in restaurants and and keep people having jobs in restaurants, Um, pay and, and, you know, uh, work-life balance and the way industry people are treated definitely still needs some work. But I think that, um, you know, I, People are what make a restaurant, is, hmm. is my kind of opinion on that.
0: Awesome, man. I agree. So thank you for chatting about the topic. I think our last topic going into this podcast, and what I'm very interested in hearing from you all, you know, going leaving culinary school, I wanted to be a Michelin-star chef, how far I've gone from that now. I think I started to realize, you know, I think Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban has a really good quote. He says, don't follow your passion, follow your effort. I think I've really stuck to that. And of course, you want to be passionate. You want to like what you do. But I think a lot of people over leverage what they're passionate about and under leverage what they're naturally gifted and talented at and don't allow a blending of the two. And so for me, I like cooking. But for me, I don't know that I would have been a successful Michelin star chef. I would say that I'm really, I would say good. I would say pretty good at food development. I would say I'm really good at food writing and media. That's up to the audience to decide every week. But for in regards to everything else, like, I don't know, like, I think I couldn't, I think the path I've chosen has really allowed me to manage and utilize, I think, what I'm naturally good at, what I'm interested in, blended those two. And I think I've seen the same out of you two going into different aspects of the beverage space and different sectors of the industry and then doing this as well. What, are, what would your advice be to, to someone like you who left college or someone who's working at a bar just starting out what would your advice be for them in terms of job career, Mm -hmm. like looking out into the future and like what their job prospects are, what types of jobs they can take, how would you advise them to keep their mind open to it?
2: Go ahead, Mace. Yeah. yeah. Um, So actually, you know, this is something that recently with my current job, I deal with all the time Um, being a a general manager, you know, you're leading people. so you know, I have always for myself, um, just done what feels best and what is best for myself in the moment at the time. Um, and always give everything a hundred percent, like make sure it's always as perfect as possible. Make sure it's always really, really good. And like, you know, you're doing something that's really pushing yourself in this certain field or certain portion or whatever it is, because no matter what, once you're done with that and you moved on to your next thing, um, you've learned so many amazing lessons that will stay with you forever. Um, and those things that you're learning there open the next door, which then opens the next door um, that you decide to step through. I think you know every little bit of time, um, every. Career, every new job that you decide to take is the next step to your window of what you should be doing. Um, And I think, specifically, doing things that kind of flow your way that were offered to you because of all the things you did is the thing that, you know, will bring you most success um, and push you past, you know, just the normal level of being um, a michelin-starred chef Mm where i i thought myself being um, an amazing uh, chef myself going to cia and then being more interested in wine and then being more interested in spirits and then leaning to front of house and then after front of house um, pushing myself to leadership and then now running my own restaurant completely you know didn't think that this would be the the route in which i think i figured i would take but it's kind of followed me with all the positive things that i can possibly do
0: cool adam
1: yeah and i think that for me like establishing connections early on like building relationships kind of opening doors for you later down the road maybe like you might you know i i look back to to my time at CIA and like, I have to thank Mason for this because he kind of pushed me to make connections and open doors. And it's, it's really helped me out along the way. And because you never know, like when you might find yourself without a job or you might find yourself lost in this industry and you don't really know what you want to do. And, you know, you might be able to reach out to an old friend or an old professor or an old coworker even, um, and they can kind of help you out with that. Um, you know, and especially like in building relationships, never burn bridges in this industry too, because that can bite you in the ass so hard. You know, you might be thinking like, oh, screw this person. Or, you know, they don't know what they're talking about, but they might know your future boss down the road. And, you know, they might call, you know, this person and be like, oh, yeah, that person wrote me off and, you know, burned a bridge. And then you've kind of just shot yourself in the foot with, with another opportunity. So I think those two are kind of the The most important things and you know kind of to mason's point and to your point ray like i thought i was going to be an an executive chef and you know i'm a i'm a decent cook but like i don't like you know i just don't think i would ever be a michelin star chef or you know maybe not even an executive chef um kind of found you know my passion more in the beverage side of things and you know i've i've done so many like random jobs since i've graduated from cia uh, you know, working at one of the world's best bars, to being a cheesemonger, to opening my own restaurant, to restaurant managing, restaurant managing am and catering sales, you know, with a podcast, with a beverage podcast. So like, you never know really where you're going to go. And I think that kind of just being open minded and kind of just being okay with wherever the journey takes you and not kind of closing yourself into like, I'm going to be a Michelin star chef and that is it because you really limit yourself um, in what you can do in life. So I think that's kind of my point of view on the whole career path thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think one thing I really had to learn to kick really quickly was the shitting on other positions that weren't aligned with the goal I had in mind at the time. And I think as I've gone along, there's, I'm, I'm, so interested in what everyone else is doing in regards to their jobs and I think like when you leave culinary school when you're in culinary school and I think it's almost like a defense mechanism thing it's like I'm going to focus on this and it's easier in some ways to focus on that rather than kind of branch yourself out and see what else is out there but I think when you start to do that you start to realize the opportunities and just the different lifestyles you get to choose you know for me lifestyles become such a key like having a job where I have the time to do a podcast side of, side of it, focus on my physical health, focus on my mental health, focus on other opportunities outside of work, like all that's really important to me. And for other people, their passion might lead them to a job where it it isn't as important to them. And that's totally fine. But I think confining everyone into one box and confining yourself into one box without really testing what makes you you in a work environment, I think is really costly. And I think it's very negative for your end results. So it's kind of my final piece on that. Did want to say thank you both for you know coming on the show. I know we're hitting time here in a little bit, but I do want to chat just really brief on like where people can find you. If you're listening on Adam's show, I'll tell you where you can find me in a second, but first, where can people find you all at?
1: Yeah, so you can find us at um, on Instagram, Facebook at Assemblage BevCo. Um, you can find it, we have a website, assemblagebevco.com. Um, our beverage podcast is located on you know anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, it's just the assemblage beverage podcast. And then, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much, I think that's everywhere you can find us. Right, Mason.
0: Right. I plug just, this shit every
1: know. podcast and I'm like, I don't know where were you, I'm, you or might can be able to find us on find the us. That's the question. Yeah. Um, but
2: Ray, why don't you?
0: Yeah. At line cook thoughts on Instagram, line on the internet. And I have a newsletter. If you go there, you can put your email in and hit subscribe basically where you can find me on most anything is line cook thoughts before we have off this call, just wanted to say that, you know, like I said before it's super cool to see you guys doing this as a podcaster who's done this for a good amount of time. I know the dedication and just the time spent in the studio. And like we were sharing before like the trials and tribulations of even getting an episode out and all of that. So just want to say that I think it's really cool that you all are, have joined the space and Adam, I know you were in it, but coming back into it, um, I think there's so much value in what you guys do and um i really hope that you know it's like you know the work and i think i need to, i need to do better at this as well as someone who's been doing this for a while it's like the work you guys do like i see it so many people see it and i don't think you got i do mean, any of us hear that enough so just want to say that like you know i know we had to re-record this and i know I'm yeah. sure there's going to be other episodes <laughs> that are going to be tough as shit you're going to have big names on the episode that drop out last minute you're going to have uh, people mid-call drop out and it's gonna be just shit show after shit show but the fact that you guys keep putting content out and keep going at it i just wanted to say that's very commendable so and give you your flowers while we're on air yeah and,
1: and same goes yeah. to you ray because you know we've we've both kind of had some similar similar struggles in the the podcast world you know like We recorded this podcast, what, a week ago, and we recorded like 30 minutes, and my audio wasn't working at all. So, um, you know, and unfortunately, it's not the first time that's happened to Mason and I, but what we found (laughs) and kind of the silver lining in it is, you know, that second go around, it's going to be so much better because you've kind of worked out maybe some, like, oh, wow, I said something really stupid last time. I'm not going to say that this time. Or, you know, something was distracting me and I'm like looking off into the distance and, and not paying attention. So it's, it, it kind of works out. It's, it's a pain in the ass to have to record, but at the same time, like it ends up being a better product. And then, you know, we got to talk to each other for an extra, you know, 30 minutes. So it's, it's a win-win for me.
0: Yeah. A
1: hundred percent agree.
0: Oh, cool guys. Well, I think I think that's all I have to say on beverages. Well, um, we
2: need to all like subscribe both podcasts, everybody. <laughs> Woo!
0: Yeah, keep sure on blending.
2: You know the rules.
0: Check out the Applebee's daiquiri. A really great beverage uh, option for you all out there. I, I'm
1: yeah. I'm probably not going to do that, Ray. I love you, man, but I'm probably not going to do yeah. that.
0: <laughs> Our Shirley Temple with extra maraschinos is my go-to non so Hey, there we go. <laughs>
1: that's good. <laughs> Hey, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not hating Ray. I'm just like that. That's surprising for me. That that, that's your that's your go-to non-alcoholic is a Shirley Temple with extra maraschino cherries. But hey, everyone's got their everyone's got their beverage of choice, right?
0: (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. Yes, sir. Appreciate
1: Appreciate you guys.
0: What is up, LineClick Nation? This is Ray DeLucci with the Thoughts Podcast. Hope you are doing well and staying safe. Welcome back to another week of the show. Before we get into this, just a friendly reminder that every Monday I put out the Prepless Items newsletter. This is a newsletter with food information for anyone in the food industry. You can go to LionCookThoughts.com, hit your email into the box and hit subscribe, and that will give you a weekly piece of content that I send out. It has over 70% open rate right now. It is widely well-received by the people that get it in their email inbox. So go to LionCookThoughts.com to subscribe. Also, if you're listening on, pod, on the podcast platforms, please use Apple and Spotify to leave a review. And if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe to the channel and leave a comment below. My guests today are Mason Aronson and Adam Shoemaker. A little bit about both. Adam was born and raised in Valparaiso, Indiana, and he attended the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. Uh, and he received his associates in culinary arts and his bachelor's in business administration with a concentration in Italian cuisine. Post-graduation, he has worked at restaurants and bars in Chicago, Preso, and now the metro Atlanta area. When he is not enjoying a glass of wine, he loves a Miller High Life, glass bottles only, and vintage rum. Mason was born in California and raised in Sedona, Arizona, where he also attended the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York. At the CIA, he received his associates in culinary arts and bachelor's in business administration with a concentration in wine and beverage. Post-grad, he has worked in distribution in Colorado, restaurants in New York City, and is now in Charlotte, North Carolina. When he's not enjoying a glass of wine, he loves a boulevardier, which we talk about, and it says always on a big rock, and extra añejo tequilas. I met Adam and Mason, both of them, in college. They're both excellent people that I really enjoyed you know, getting to know in college and keeping in touch with, uh, hanging out with Adam a t- you know, a good amount in college, playing Overwatch with Mason in college. So going back to the Culinary, Culinary Institute of America days, and actually Adam Shoemaker and Olivia Fizet uh, were, the, were the, some of the first guests on the podcast, episode five, if you go way, way back. A few years now, it's one of the most uh, listened to podcast episodes, so go check that out. I'll be leaving links in the description below for both Adam and Mason's podcast, The Assemblage uh, Beverage Podcast. And it's very interesting for me because it's a beverage focused podcast. And so, if you ever want to learn more about wine, beer, spirits, anything in between, they talk a lot about the business of it, different tasting notes, celebrity brand deals, all these different things. It's a great podcast. Check it out. I'm leaving a link in the description below. In this episode, we talk about rebranding the podcast to become a dual hosted uh, content piece, the impact of celebrity uh, branded wines, beers, spirits, ETC, and the impact that AI could and might have on the beverage industry. So very wide ranging conversation. Really enjoyed catching up with these two, Mason and Adam, thank you all so much for coming on the show and for all the work you do. And here we go.